0: Welcome to the 164th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Four Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner.
1: And your co-host, Jordan Viner.
0: And after a fairly long hiatus, we return here to the podcast with all of your Terrapin news. But before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allett Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allett has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you were looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things
1: off on the Don River Report, Women's Across star Brendy Griffin will return to College Park for an extra year of eligibility next season. The 2020 Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year is the only women's across All-American senior of the three to elect to return.
0: Yeah, uh, this will give, I guess, the Terps a boost. Um, definitely a great player that will return for that extra year of eligibility that was allowed. Uh, moving on, six baseball Terps are pr- participating in training camp for the MLB restart. And 14 Terps are in the MLS is back. Fantastic name, that is. Uh, tournament down in orlando
1: yep um that uh, name is uh so i think it made sense when they named it like because i think that one was like announced in april or something so they figured by now by july that would be like the tournament to lead into the season but now obviously things didn't break our way so now it sounds ridiculous
0: i mean uh, it really does like i feel like it was also planned to be like the first thing that was going to be back
1: and that that is true for a major, in quotes, American sports in America. But
0: it's not major.
1: I mean, it's well, that's actually debatable, honestly, in a lot of ways. But that's regardless. Fourteen Terps playing for I think I think six different teams. Highlights if you're watching Star for Maryland content that much, your highlights are going to be DC United and Toronto FC, both with three Terps on their teams.
0: Yeah, and who's the best Terp now in the MLS?
1: I don't know. Oh, I know Patrick Moens is uh, doing well for Toronto. Chase Gasper in Minnesota, I hear about a lot. But I don't know. I don't know enough about the MLS to really it say might It might be Zach Stephon. Is Zach Stephon playing for the MLS?
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's on the crew.
1: Oh, you're right, he is. I, yeah. know, I remember he was in Bundesliga League still. Um, on to some other news. Varun Ram, um, one of our all-time favorite Terps here in the podcast, and a doctor now, has um, started a charity with the University of Maryland called Connect for COVID-19. And what this charity does is they um, give technology pieces to um, disadvantaged people who are stuck in isolation and can't communicate with the outside world because they don't have the technology to do video calls or texting, whatever else they need. It's a nice little uh, thing. It's a good reminder that these players can go on to do great things after they leave our programs here. And uh, I just really wanted to give him a shout out because it's always great to see our chirps do good things for the community once they leave the programs.
0: Yeah, it is, and uh, I actually didn't know that he was doing that. Uh, That's a really good program, and I know that uh, Varun Ram had something in the Washington Post. that was written by Emily Giambalvo a while ago, and and he's definitely, you know, stayed kind of in the eye of Maryland. I've I've seen him at a few games here and there, and just, you know, he was always a a really good face for the program, even though, you know, Mel Trimble was the face when he was playing, but he definitely got his fair amount of attention, was certainly a fan favorite of ours and many other people.
1: So, staying on basketball, um, the NCAA released their off-season schedule. We'll see if this actually holds, as uh, we've all seen things have really regressed in the last week or so in COVID terms and fall athletics resuming. So, we'll see how much this actually stays on. But for now, volunteer activities will continue from now, actually from July 1st through July 19th. Beginning on July 20th, schools can begin to implement required athletic activities that can run up to eight weeks ending on September 15th, or the respective school's first day of classes. And following either one of those two dates, so the 15th or the first day of classes, student-athletes can begin begin their workouts, and then recruiting dead period extends to August 31st. It, I can't see this actually being implemented, Mason.
0: Yeah, neither can I. Um, it's just not even almost worth talking about. I mean, Bruce the other day asked me on the show what Jacksonville University is doing uh, to bring kids back. And I pretty much told them the same thing. It's not worth talking about. I and mean, the whole thing is such a fluid situation that putting in these plans for, for anything past, in my opinion, two weeks, it's just, I mean, it makes you look okay, but it's certainly not, not permanent and certainly barely worth talking about. But on to some football news, former Terp, Uh, Quarterback Max Bortenschlager will grad transfer to Florida International University down in Fort Lauderdale. uh, With two years of eligibility remaining, the Panthers are in need of a quarterback after James Morgan departed the school for the NFL.
1: Yep, and on some other quarterback news, um, our incoming transfer, Evan Lewandowski, announced he'll be transferring to Division II powerhouse Wisconsin-Whitewater Instead of the Terps, uh, he did not give a reason in his statement. I'm going to assume it was because he wanted to stay closer to home. That seems to be a trend these days. Uh, but Bordy is going to be one of the more interesting cases, I think, in recent history for me. Cause just because I felt like the circumstances gave him opportunities and also kind of screwed him over at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, he started a game, that I believe he came into Maryland as a two-star low three. He started a game in major college football his true freshman season. Uh, he was a starter when Maryland played Nebraska the year that the Terps were 6-6. Six and six. Then the next year, he gets most of the season to start, beats Minnesota, loses a lot of games, but just, you know, as you said, the circumstance. Well, not a lot of people. I felt like the playbook wasn't very open to Max Bortenschlager. It never was. And then on top of that, you know, he was always he was always a backup plan, if not the backup to the backup plan. So just an interesting interesting time for Max. And then this last year, I feel like he would end up being the starter too, but he was injured.
1: Yeah, he probably would have been the starter last season, or at least gotten a crack at it. But he, yeah, he was injured, and FIU's been doing an okay job with their quarterbacks as of late, so maybe we'll see him again. Who knows? Um, On to some more basketball news. Melo Trimble has left the National Basketball League in, in Sorry, the National Basketball League of Australia to sign a one-year deal with Spanish basketball club. Um, you want to try it, Mason?
0: No, no, I don't.
1: Let's call him the MF because that's the uh, abbreviation. Or that's the abbreviation for their names of Liga ACB. Liga ACB is the top league in Spain and widely considered the second best basketball league in the world. Melo really made an impact in Australia. He was all league there, so he continues to climb the ladder and maybe get the chance to uh, make the NBA now.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly, and. Just just really good thing to see. You know, Melo Trimble, definitely a great basketball player. A guy that I think a lot of Turps fans knew uh, deserved a better chance he was given. He played really well in the G League uh, for the Iowa Wolves. And now he's kind of trending uh, and working his way around the planet. Quality
1: League, the ACB over there, um, they have pretty good pay grades, too. I believe he's making upwards of half a million dollars a year. If I know, If I heard that correctly, I could be wrong on that. But even if he doesn't make it in uh, Spain to the NBA, if he sticks around that part of the basketball world, he'll make good money. He'll get opportunities to inspire people, play in front of a good amount of fans. And that's play okay. for the
0: stupid overseas elite team in the basketball tournament.
1: Yeah, the uh, overseas elite uh, club of the basketball tournament over here in Columbus really has upset Mason as of late for reasons I'm unclear of.
0: They're just a hack. I mean, they're like playing with the all-star team in in video games. Like, they're just better than everybody else. Why is Joe Johnson playing in this tournament? He could easily be playing in the NBA. Do you want me to give a reason? I don't know. It's just I don't really think he should be allowed to play.
1: All right, that's your opinion. I'm sure he makes a differ there. Um, on to some other, uh, I guess a like group of COVID-related updates for Maryland. Uh, The Athletic Department has changed its ticketing policy for this season uh, to include some things such as refunds, ticket credits, um, actual not getting tickets to minimize contact. Hard to say if any of it will matter. Doesn't look like it at the moment. Um, And after nine positive tests on campus, Maryland has suspended all workouts until further notice. Uh, This is not good, to put it lightly, for the prospect of having a season for the Terps. But it's, I guess, something you didn't totally didn't – it's not something unexpected is what I'm trying to say either.
0: Yeah, it really isn't. And this kind of goes along the lines of what do you expect these kids to do. Um, they're going to go out. They're going to – you know, in this case, there's a lot of kids and campuses all over the country that went out and they joined into the protests that Jordan and I discussed on the last podcast and they have just been out. You know, you're not going to keep 20-year-old kids locked up in a bottle, especially if they're on a college campus. And this goes, you know, for administrators and and, especially these athletic personnel people all around the country as the school year comes up. What are you going to do? There's no chance you are able to keep, you know, anywhere from 2,500 to 20,000 kids locked up on a college campus. It's just not going to happen. These kids are going to go out and eat. They're going to go out and hang out. Uh, If you're talking about just the general school population out to the bars and and partying and stuff like that, you're just not going to get away with having these college years, whether it's a few athletes on campus or or the normal school, there's going to be positive tests and it's just how you react to them. In this case, uh, the university decides to suspend workouts like a lot of other schools that have had positive tests and... The goal line of having a season has just gotten a lot further away.
1: Yeah, and that will tie into our next point, which is the Big Ten and several other, I think two other conferences now, have suspended uh, their non conference games in all sports. I am kind of unclear what they hope to achieve by this. It's not like, like maybe when this, when conferences actually meant something geographically, this made sense. But now, like one of the, one of the, um, I guess lack of a better term, college, college sports meme accounts I follow, just put out a thing like a map of the American Athletic Conference saying, like, oh, yeah, this group that spans from the East Coast to Texas is going to really create effective change by suspending their non-conference schedule. Like, I'm not – the Big Ten said the goal is to increase this flexibility, which is probably true because if it's out of conference, it gets really messy if you have to pull out of a game. And in conference, you don't have the contracts or anything to have these games. But, I mean, it just really sucks in a lot of ways. Maryland loses out in the West Virginia game. That's a big one from that. A lot of other schools have l- lost out in games. Ohio State and Oregon aren't going to play now. That's when a lot of people have mourned. Uh, USC and Alabama's gone. And this just is another nail in the coffin for – maybe not a nail in the coffin is the wrong word, but another pound of dirt on the coffin for the college football season. It might not be over yet, but it's not looking good at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think that um... – There's one game that Maryland's supposed to play. I feel like, you know, they're playing Towson and West Virginia, and I forgot their third number. Northern
1: Illinois. Is that their one?
0: Yeah, maybe that one doesn't make sense. They're playing Towson and West Virginia. You don't have to fly to those two places. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But at the same time, they can play the nine conference games, or they could cut that down. You know, I'm kind of thinking they cut that down to seven.
1: Well, actually, I've seen people saying they're going to increase it to ten. To try to get more of a round number season, because again, the goal at least for the Big Ten, the idea is if we, if Ohio State has a positive test and doesn't want to play, then that game against Oregon doesn't count for them contract wise. Like that's not they don't. Yeah, support. yeah, I
0: understand that. I understand that. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I honestly think you cut it down to a seven game schedule, and then over the fourteen weeks, you can then take breaks between the games.
1: I see what you're saying. That kind of makes sense.
0: Or you can cut it down to, let's say, five and take two-week breaks between every game.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying there, and that kind of makes sense.
0: And you still get games. You still get TV revenue. You still... At that point, I feel like you could even have some fans at those games because they're so far spaced apart. And if you're playing one at home and one on the road, you can most certainly have fans at the game. And there's just an opportunity here to make something out of it because, you know, people like to point at this stuff and say it's all greed and money. But there's schools, maybe not Maryland, that this means a lot to. It connects the school with the community. It brings a lot of visitors and money and and just well-being. And, and some of the best weekends of that school of the year are these football games. And I think keeping that alive is important because it just connects – people back to their school because these schools let's face it i know i said it's not about money they probably need their alumni base now more than ever to one promote the school and to help the school if the school gets into trouble and i think that's that's one of the reasons for having this because if time goes on you know if a year goes by or a year plus goes by from that lsu clemson game to the next time we see a college football kicked in the air i feel like a lot of the steam a lot of the the fans, especially the ones that are current students, I feel like a lot of that's going to be lost, and I think that would just be a shame because college sports has become such a big part of everyday life. But having a whole, almost a whole generation of students that has that, that piece of their college life at stake right now, is it, just kind of, kind of sucks. Yeah, it
1: does, and there's no sugarcoating that. And that kind of ties into the idea that. Sports are essential, which I saw somebody tweet the opposite that sports are not essential business, and I saw a lot of resistance to that, and I agree with it because in a lot of ways they are. I think a lot of people, including us, are a little bit sports starved at the moment. Like, and I know Mason said the idea that there's going to be some people that don't figure out they don't need sports and just won't come back, and that's true. But I think there's a lot more people that are missing it a lot, and I think that's kind of how I feel. I really missed March Madness as of late. Of all the things, like that's the thing I kind of been like, wow, it sucks it didn't happen last year.
0: Yeah, it really didn't, and it, yeah, you got to be kidding. I mean, part of that is um, that Maryland was supposed to be so good, and North Dakota State was going to be in it. Oh,
1: absolutely! Like that was a hundred percent one of the things that I'm that I'm missing because, well, yeah, my teams were going to do well, but even if they didn't, I mean, that's still my favorite thing in the year. Yeah, that's a well-known fact around these parts. That's my that's my favorite thing, is March Madness. Every you know, I am still
0: kind of mad that they didn't release the bracket.
1: You, you, I believe you argued against releasing it when after it happened.
0: Possibly. But I feel like you know, after some time went by, you could have let it. You could have let something out.
1: Well, there were teams that qualified already.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't done. You see, that was my first argument at the beginning. Like all those, you know, conference forming games really matter to who gets in and who doesn't. And yeah, but. Just continuing on, there's it's just such a big part of of at least the culture, you know, in Jordan and I's house and and just a big part of what a lot of people do. And I think that having something, having some piece of that, keeping it alive just to keep people going, you know, just to have people have something to look forward to, to come back to, and don't lose sight of of why they follow all these precautions, I think that does more good than not.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And that and I've seen a lot another thing I've seen a lot on um social media recently, is if you want your sports back you have to follow the mitigation rules here. Which I know for a lot of people, these mitigation rules suck. Like the masks are uncomfortable, people don't want to stay away from doing stuff, but really I mean it sounds overly simplistic, but I think that's what it boils down to at this point. You if we want our sports back, you're gonna have to, we're gonna have to try to keep this down
0: again. Yeah, and I know that part of that part of what I just said kinda I almost immediately thought, well, it also defeats that purpose because it seems like with this virus just in general, there's a lot of people that they don't take the precautions and they don't get sick and nobody that they know has gotten sick from the virus. And I I am actually saying there's a difference between getting sick from it and testing positive for it. Those are two very different things because I almost think it it helps the other side of the people that don't want to follow this stuff when they see like one of their friends or family members test positive and they're asymptomatic. But if you have all these people that go out to games or tailgate parties or whatever you want to say and, like, they don't get the virus, I feel like they're going to immediately throw all the other stuff out because that's another thing that's been happening. You know, people that go out to eat or they go out to – and they don't necessarily follow all the rules and nothing happens to them. It's just, like, stealing stuff. You know, people go and they rob something and they're like, whoa, I'll never get caught. You know, I just stole a candy bar. And one day the store manager catches them and then they're like – well, damn, I should have been stealing all that stuff this whole time.
1: That's, that might be a good analogy, and that might be how it feels, but if you, it's just that simple, really. like Whether you agree with the um, severity of this thing or not, and I personally do, because I Mason hasn't been adamantly tracking all these numbers since this thing really started, and I believe there's some reason to be afraid here, but if you want your sports back, our sports back for that matter, then just please... Do the things so we can have it back because I am going to be crying if we don't have football back in fall. NFL or college or both. Either or, I'm going to be pissed if we don't get it back.
0: Yeah, I think there's a better chance the NFL plays than college at this point. Absolutely, yes. It's just you don't really know, and that's my whole thing. It's always been my whole thing with this. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a week-to-week situation, if not a two-week-to-two-week situation, depending on the way that you look at the numbers. And and it really just has to be calculated decisions. And there might be a way that a team like Maryland doesn't play and teams like Nebraska do.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that might be one of those things where you're like, well, that makes sense. But the Maryland, again, keep saying this. Maryland's been really doing really good with the COVID numbers as of late.
0: Yeah, they do, but it's such an area to travel into, and PG County specifically has not been. So it's just going to be it's, – it's everyone's comfort level. And the other thing that I'll say, and I've been seeing this a lot on social media and all this stuff – is if the players want to play, I know it does fault the university and they're representing the university. Maybe it should be up to them. Well, if Or at least partially up to them.
1: Yeah, I'd go with that. And I've said that with um, some other people I know that own some small businesses. I said, ask the employees. Like If they want to come back to work, that's your decision right there. You're doing it to protect them. And I really have issue... And I Someone brought this up when this first, like, was first breaking out in March, like, when this really first got rolling, that this is such a sue happy country and people are so afraid of being sued, that's going to control a lot of decisions here, and that has been resoundingly true. Mm-hmm. People are terrified of being sued here, and that has driven more decisions, I feel like, than almost anything else involved.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, but I think that that's enough of this discussion for this podcast. Speaking of people that uh managed to get themselves sued, Wallace Lowe has finally gone. The years of
1: low must go are over.
0: I don't think they are though. I feel like you know we talk about the transfer of power in this country so much from from hand to hand. I feel like Wallace Lowe's still sitting there, like president emeritus, and just still ruling the ruling the um, pathways of College Park. In a shadow government fashion. Oh my gosh!
1: Whatever the case is, besides Mason's tinfoil hat. Over well, he's there. still
0: he's still involved. I mean, he still is. Daryl Pines. I I really do like President Pines. I've heard him speak quite a quite a number of times, and I, and I've seen him around at a lot of sporting events, plenty of times. But this was Wallace. You know, it continues the tree of Wallace Lowe.
1: Would you rather have us gone outside the university? I or...
0: would, I really would, and I'm not I'm not saying anything bad. You know, I'll, I'll allow President Pines to make his first you know handful of decisions, and then make my judgment based on that. But I think that everything that happened, not only with the sporting teams, even though this is a sports focused podcast, but just with the university over these past few years, they might have needed somebody to come in from outside because this has not been the best run place. In many fashions over the over the last handful of years, and I think that it's great that we're starting a new era. I'm just going to reserve my judgment. I'm not going to say that everything's great. Like I'm going to say, yes, I've interacted with this guy, and and I thought I think he's a very good leader, and I think that he's a great great connections to the athletics community and to to the engineering community at the school. But I'm going to kind of sit back and see see how much change there is because change is certainly needed.
1: Yes, change is needed, and I. Honestly think that, yes, Wallace Lowe, this is Maryland Athletics-focused, and Mason and I will be the first to admit we're more tied into the athletics community than like the actual school. Um, Neither of us attend the university, as this is probably well known. And Daryl Pines, uh, Wallace Lowe's tenure, from the athletics perspective, has been an absolute disaster. Now, Daryl Pines, of course, has that connection through Donovan Pines, who was a Maryland soccer star for a while. That's his son. And that's... a big boost for a lot of people just off the bat that he has that connection and he might, he might care about athletics more. But I think the most important thing for Daryl Pines to do is reestablish the University of Maryland's connection with the state of Maryland. And by that I mean I know so many people from my own experience you know, going through high school just being around the area who are frustrated with the direction the university has taken and they feel they have lost the connection with their actual you know high school students of Maryland.
0: That is very true.
1: And that is absolutely true.
0: It is. It is. And I know we've talked about that a handful of times on this show, but I just think that there isn't enough value in the support given to the school. I feel that, you know, I know it's not a private school and I know that this becomes, you know, Jordan just said, everyone's afraid of being sued. There isn't enough pride and legacy when it comes to this university. And I know that's changed drastically, since people like Wayne or Bruce and, you know, Jordan and I's whole other side of our family uh, attended the University of Maryland. Uh, We know it's changed a lot since then. But the fact that I've seen kid after kid, time after time, have have above average, highly above average test scores and GPAs be denied by the school and to try every way, if they get an official appeal, if they even get that opportunity to have that, be denied, something that's almost... You know, it should be a birthright. This is a state school, well, I, and there's no. I'm just saying, if you're an above-average student in this state, from Montgomery County or really from wherever, I don't think that you're given the chance that other kids in other states have to go to their state's flagship university.
1: No, you're not. That is a, just a fa- almost just a fact. You're not. Maryland has is not has lost sight of who they're supposed to serve. I really do believe that they don't have and maybe this is maybe a state law type thing but they don't have the policy that a lot of state schools have where whatever 85 90 percent of the kids that take a need to be from in state and that is something that hurts them in a lot of ways because the people that graduate maryland aren't don't have that maryland pride that we so that we're supposed to cherish so much yeah they don't keep
0: kids from maryland and i think that's why a lot of kids are starting to look at Towson more. You know, I I don't even think this is a question. Of course, you know, athletics, I don't think it has any effect. But just in the general scope of things and the longevity of the university and what it's been so based on as it's gotten higher and higher rated internationally and nationally, I think that it needs to reconsider, you know, as Jordan just said, who it serves, what its purpose is, and, and kind of refocus itself on this state. You know, it's great to have international kids and kids from, from outside of the state, but it's the University of Maryland. It's not a private school. It's not a, you know, I'm kind of at a loss for words of, of what's next in an academic term. Well, but it's meant to serve the state, and it's meant to serve the kids that kids that are from here, and that that's really what's important.
1: Well, the, the other thing is, and the example we always point to is North Carolina, because North Carolina is a better school than Maryland by most metrics. And they have had this policy of 90% of the kids from that school need to be from North Carolina for decades. And they've still managed to up their standing and become – and be a like a prestigious university. And I don't think it's one path or the other. I think it's probably a lot easier to build your academic standing by taking the best kids from around the country.
0: But I don't think it's – But you're also in Maryland. I mean, one of the more educated, you know, Montgomery County and, and Prince George's County and Howard County are, are... – pristine places and that doesn't even go into the Baltimore area and 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 the nice areas around there you know there's so many kids that could easily raise the standing especially where the school is now that if you were to instate one of these rules I feel like you would still get the best of the best
1: oh that's probably true
0: but I think that's enough of that That, that's
1: what I guess what we're saying we're athletics focused but that's what Daryl Pineville needs to do
0: I think that's what just the university in general needs to do but I don't think it will happen because I feel like now, you know, you talk about not necessarily globalism, but building a community and the way that Maryland wants to do it and go about it. I don't think there's a chance that that happens.
1: No, well, we're gonna find out. Well, there's one more thing I want to hit before we exited today's podcast, Mason, which is we are, despite our naysaying, we are knocking on the door of sports returning in some fashion.
0: I hope so, you know, and and I do think that we're getting closer and closer to the nba bubble league and and the mls is back and i know the nwsl is playing and the basketball tournament uh, is getting close to wrapping up and kind of staying coronavirus free and we'll see how it plays out but you know the last thing that we'll talk about here is uh our absence from from this podcast
1: yeah we just had a lot going on it's really that simple uh there's not much to talk about either i mean We were off for what, a month about, and we got maybe half an hour of content out of this. And now it's stretching. Well, we didn't
0: talk about Caleb Williams not coming to Maryland, and we haven't talked a lot about football recruiting, but everything is starting to slow. You know, all the kids that had their decisions planned, a lot of them have made them. And, you know, even with the recruiting, and I'm not saying in the Caleb Williams case, but in some other players that you'll should be announcing here fairly soon, the the in person visits are going to make the difference if they're able to make them. And I think that that's that's really where we are as a recruiting state. But yeah, we apologize for our absence here. But as Jordan said, there's just not that much going on in the world of our Terps. And hopefully, we'll have a season to talk about. Because if not, I mean,
1: we have examined the possibility of suspending the podcast if we don't have winter sports.
0: Fall, sports. fall sports, sorry. Yeah, fall sports. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting couple of months here. And and let's you know everyone try and stay healthy out there. And and if you want your sports follow the policies and i think it's as simple as that
1: yep that's gonna be it and uh one i guess the last last thing is by the time we record again redskins are probably gonna have a new name
0: yeah and and we will talk about that a little bit on the next podcast as always we'd like to thank our sponsors viner four and in rockville for all of your business it needs call viner four at 301-251-2900 or visit them on the number one viner.com and Allied Party Rentals for all of your post-virus party rental needs. Big or small, Allied has got you covered. A Maryland-owned small business, visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.